All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Always great to start off a podcast when Tim just lets a massive belch go right before we press record. Gets you in the mood, especially on a Tuesday morning after a long weekend. It wakes you up, Tim. Gets you going. Wakes well, you up. Why are you burping? We in weren't the recording. We weren't recording yet, so there's no way to know whether or not that actually happened. So I'm telling the people, mine. I don't lie to anybody. I'm telling them why. What are you eating in the morning that makes you belch like that? Uh, I've had a smoothie. That's all I've had. I don't what do you know put in your smoothies? What do you put in there? A little ice cream, a little vanilla, chocolate no, chips? That's a milkshake. Oh. Uh, this one was frozen berries, banana, honey, cinnamon, protein powder, and and then I add um, a little bit of almond butter to give a little creaminess. It's really good. You have all of that stuff at your house? <laughs> just yeah. crazy. That's amazing. You probably I, I, do too. You just have no idea. Danielle takes yeah, care of it. I'm not doing that. It's funny. I work with a few guys who make make the food for their families and they're men. And I'm just like, John, you can't I'm, say that. Why? Anyone well, can make food at any time. Well, I know I can make food too, but I'm just like, I don't make anything ever. And not, I don't want to say ever, but very rare do I like, if I do dinner, it's, you know, I have my staples who do burgers and fries or something, but I, I, I lucked out and got a wife that just, she throws down, you know, Danielle, she cooks like crazy. And well, I'm nervous because Tim, it's literally any second. Now I'm going to get a call and she's like, I, I, I'm going into labor. And once that happens, I'm on my own for a good couple of weeks where I have to cook all the meals for everybody. And I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going to be a lot of just butter noodles it's like chicken tenders. It's or DoorDash phone. Yeah. Are we doing the DoorDash ad this early? <laughs> uh, we're not. When my wife has kids, I just fire up DoorDash and bing, bang, boom. Groceries delivered right to the door. Boom. Great. Groceries for the kids. Bottle of Canadian Club for dad. We are cooking with gas, but it's it's getting close. She is literally. Well, her due date is July 11th. That's the date you know, on, on the card, but she's like, I'm going early. I'm going early. And it's July 5th today. Like as we speak at nine twenty seven AM. 
So it, it literally any second I could get the call, I'm going to the hospital. Let's do this. Baby number seven on the way. Away we go, Tim. So if, if I if I abruptly leave, that's why. Or I, or, or you've offended me. Either or. But yeah, it's it's getting real, man. Seven kids around the corner. Do you have any inkling, Tim, if it's a boy or a girl? We haven't really talked about it too much. I don't like to talk about my personal life too much. But yeah, baby number seven. I have six daughters. Tim, you've met them all. What do you think number seven is, boy or girl? Let's let's hear the prediction now. You're the points. Is this on points bet, by the way? <laughs> Are we doing all the ads right now in the first 10 minutes of the show? Points bet Canada. You know Boy or girl? Well, statistically, if you have X amount of the same of the same gender, it's going to continue that, right? So, yes, that if, means if you go straight to statistics. Yes, it should be another. So, girl. Vegas odds is going to is going to put that as the uh, favorite. So the maybe the boy is like a plus two fifty underdog, something like that. Yeah, she is bigger this time around. She seems to be more robust in the belly area. So I'm guessing it's a. And that's the thing. People always say that it's that's a myth that boys and girls grow differently in the in the stomach. They grow the same. Like there's there's no there's nothing to the term of like it's it's big. It's got to be a boy. No, that there's no How rhyme or know? reason. You've only had girls. You don't but know. I've talked to doctors and I've had massive girls and I've had tiny girls. I've had I've run the gamut of sizes. I've had kids come out and the doctor's like, that's the biggest head circumference I've ever seen. I've had kids come out and it's like, that's a tiny baby. So I've run the gamut of just like monsters and just cute little nuggets. So there's no rhyme or reason. All these things like, oh, it's a big baby. Oh, you know, your hair is really oil. It's going to be a girl or, you know, you got crusty skin. It's a boy. All these things, these wives tales, they don't mean a thing. They don't mean what it comes down to. The man is the one who dictates whether it's a boy or a girl. Because I have the X and Y chromosome, whether I pass that along or not, is all up to me. So I have not fulfilled my obligations for getting a boy. So yeah, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do, Tim? Another girl, another uh, a boy. Who who knows? You'll be the free. I'll Facetime you in the room, so you'll be there. Please don't. No, I'm good. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, including this weekend, holiday weekend, and now you got probably a lot of responsibilities coming up in the coming weeks. Like you said, you're going to be firing up the grill. Are you grilling this weekend? Yeah, I'll be grilling. We'll be throwing down. I, I'm a big pork tenderloin guy. I'm a big, just especially in the summer. I don't like to cook inside, but I will say this. It was supposed to be a joyous weekend. It was supposed to be happy. It was 4th of July, get out, cook some hot dogs. And we did that. We watched the air show. We saw the, the fireworks, but there is some tragic news to him at my house. And I, and I don't say that lightly. It was a very, tough start of the weekend on thursday i um i don't know if i'm gonna be able to talk about this on thursday i got home and i just went about my normal business i gotta compose myself here hold on so i started making hummingbird food and i i do the normal thing and uh, i mix the sugar with the water and i like to do it boiling water as you know and i grabbed the hummingbird feeder and i I'm pouring the liquid in the, in the feeder and I, I forgot to let it cool down. And so the hot water hit the glass and it exploded. And so my hummingbird feeder exploded because of the water was so hot and it was a custom hand blown hummingbird feeder. 
and it could not take the temperature of the water going into it. And it exploded. Um, I'm not proud to say that it happened, but it did. And that's, that was a bad start to the weekend, but much like everything, this, this thunderstorm did have a rainbow. I got on Amazon. Um, I got there as fast as I could. And we have a new hummingbird feeder up and I paid my kids. I I paid my kids money. I said, the first one to see a hummingbird, I will give you money. Cause I was so concerned that the hummingbirds moved to greener pastures, so to speak. And they just, you know, went back to the well and it was dry and they moved on, but they didn't, they're back. Oh, I was so relieved. I was so relieved Monday when I saw a little sucker back there. I was like, oh yes, you're back. But it was, I I was honestly panicked for two days. I'm like, what? Cause I saw him come by no hummingbird feeder there. And he just was gone. I'm like, oh no, you're gone. Are you ever going to come back? I'm sorry. So it it was not a good I just figured out how invested I was in this hummingbird and it's all, all as well though, Tim, all as well. Me too. I'm also invested. That was a roller coaster, but thank you. My, my first follow-up was like, okay, what's our replacement plan? What's our strategy for getting a new one in there? But I'm glad that you had the rush on it and Amazon and we're back in business. Oh, I did not mess around. Well, first I tried to super glue and then that didn't work. It just, it didn't work. And then I was like, I got to, I got to expedite this. So I, I didn't mess. My wife was probably upset because I don't take urgency on anything. And I was urgent. I'm like, where's your computer? I got to order this. <laughs> like, let's go. And so, all right. What are we talking about, Tim? Why are we talking about this stuff? It's, it's July 5th. There's lots to talk about. How was your weekend? Did you get up to any trouble there in North Carolina? No trouble. I was going to go out to the mountains of like Asheville, which is very famous and beautiful, but it rained most of the weekend. So I didn't go and just uh, went out with some friends and hung out with the dog and pretty low key, pretty low key. Nothing, yeah. nothing exciting this year. For July 4th, any parades or nothing? No, no. Just uh, what was yesterday, the 4th? Yeah, no, I didn't do anything. I mean, I kind of just spent some time outside. There's uh my building has a, here's what I did. My building has a pool. Oh yeah. Uh, and okay. there's two courtyards in the other cool. I only ever use the pool because it's, it's right next to the, the gym that's in the building. Oh, and you're in there the all the time. I've done the gym first. Yeah. You yeah. do. If I've got a nice pump going and then I'm like, I'll go out and lay out for, for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, but sometimes longer. So I, yeah, grab a book and a snack or something and I'm out laying out by the pool. It's great. Is your book like, how do I spend my millions? And you just sit there <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and see who's watching. Yeah. You're, 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 I, you, the bait's in the water. I get it. You're chum in the water. Yeah. You know, just a piece of meat, you know, nothing more. Speaking of meat, how's the protein intake? It's good. It's good. But I, I'm it's going down a little bit. I'm slimming down. I'm going, so Michigan, I'm going to Traverse City on Saturday. For yep. about a week, so probably won't see you given the whole baby situation. But I'll see you. I'll hopefully, see you. yeah. And spending a lot of time uh, on the boat, my buddy Brennan, and out in the town. So, yeah, you dirty dog. I'll, I'll see you around, but that's fun. I'm excited for you to come back into town. So, why the protein slim down? You didn't tell me. Oh, I'm just eating less. I'm just eating less right now for two weeks, getting ready for boat season. Is that all it is? You want to look? little trim on the boat what else is there (laughs) 
All right. Let's let's <laughs> that's something else. All right. Ryan McDonough, friend of the show. Well, friend of mine. I know Macker. We we played together with New York. I skated with them for the better part of a decade and a half in Minnesota when I was training in Minnesota. He's a Minnesota guy. I love myself some Ryan McDonough. He's one of the, I think I've labeled him as one of the most underrated defensemen of our era where he just goes about his business. The guy's been a core piece of massive playoff runs for the New York Rangers. And then obviously the Tampa Bay lightning the last three, four, five years when he's been in Tampa Bay, he's just one of those guys who you need to be successful. He's very low maintenance. You plug him in on the back end. He gives you 20 to 25 minutes. He can play on the power play if you need him. He's got a little bit of an offensive upside, and he's just a solid defenseman, Tim. He's one of these guys who you need to be successful, and they traded him. Tampa Bay obviously facing a salary cap crunch. They have a lot of guys who they want to keep around. The salary cap isn't jumping by that much. Today, when you look at cap friendly, they are currently almost $1 million over the salary cap. And that's even with Ryan McDonough, not on the books right now. So they are in a tough spot, Tampa Bay, Patrice Breeze or Julian Breeze boss somehow gets Ryan McDonough to waive his uh, no trade clause and trades him to Nashville. It's a huge deal for Tampa Bay. When you saw this deal, Tim, I let you know you were out, you were on a no social media binge this weekend. You were just cleansing yourself. What did you think when I when you saw this deal come across? Because to me, it was surprising. McDonough's a, a big part of their defense. He's a little older. I know that. He makes a lot of money. It was surprising that they were able to get this deal done in my eyes with a guy who has a no-move clause, had success in Tampa Bay, makes that much money. What did you think of the deal? I wasn't really totally surprised. I knew that his name had been thrown around, especially like the last few years. They, they come in the cap crunch coming out of the, uh, the the playoff run, given what they what they've added at the deadline and the pieces they moved. So we we knew that this was kind of like the next one in line. Um, but I'm looking at their defense now, and Hedman's you know world class. He's he's top thirty five in the league. And then it gets pretty thin pretty quick. Like Sergachev's a really good top four defenseman, but those Chernaks. Rude is not under contract yet. Bogosian is bottom six defenseman at this point in his career. The defense thins out pretty quick. And Philippe Myers, who they added in return from Nashville, is he's okay. He's you know, he's got a hundred change games in the NHL. He's probably a full-time NHL but he's a bottom pairing def- defenseman at this point. So I wonder if they have other moves they're trying to make down the road to show up their defense a little bit. But like you said, they still got some big free agents they've got to sign. So there's a lot of pieces that need to be figured out here. Well, yeah, there's some tough decisions Breezeball is going to have to make. They first and foremost, Palat, what do you do with him? He he is the guy you wanna you wanna keep around. He's been there his whole career. He obviously meshes well with your top guys. They have a good relationship. Can they keep him? I think all of the maneuvering that Tampa Bay is making and will make, because there will be more moves co- moving forward, everything is geared towards keeping Andre Pilat. Can we get him signed on for another three, four, five years under a good number that everybody's happy with? But I, I don't know if they, I don't know, even with moving McDonough, I don't know if that's possible. But yeah, looking at their defense, not as formidable. It was, it was a luxury for Tampa Bay to be able to throw out Hedman, Sergachev, Sir, uh, Chernak, and McDonough. 
and just say, go, you guys, go. Like, those are four solid defensemen you can plug in, eat up 45 minutes of the game. And, yes, and you spot in a Cowfoot, you spot in a Jan Ruta, you spot in a Zach Bogosian. Those guys, they'll give you 10 minutes. But those top four guys were so incredibly good. And looking at a Tampa team next year, I know they were talking about, yeah, we, you know, we still got a few more years. Steven Stamkos at the press conference at the end of the year. He says all the right things. I don't know if Tampa has another run in it like we, we've seen the last three years. I think the whole, you know, the, the salary cap hurt them after 2021. The Gaudreau, the Coleman, the Yanni Gore, the Tyler Johnson, these players who left via free agency or trade or the expansion draft, and you replace them with the Nick Paul, the Hagels, the Ross Coltons, the, the Belmar, the Corey Perrys. We were talking before the show they didn't have the same impact as those other five, six guys who left did. And that was a big reason they didn't win a Stanley cup this year. You saw it in the, during the Colorado series, if Kucherov, Stamkos and Palat didn't score, Tampa didn't score. They didn't have that second and third wave that they did in years past to get them that clutch goal. Alex Kalorn was terrible in the playoffs. He didn't score a goal all playoffs, Tim. Every single round, the guy was blanked. No goals. That's And I know he was a lockdown defensive forward. Yes, I, I know he was valuable. He was valuable in other series as well, in other Stanley Cup runs, where he was also scoring goals. And that's the one thing, Anthony Sorelli, we talk about him being a great defensive forward. He doesn't bring the same offensive punch that maybe a Tyler Johnson did or Yanni Gore did or a, even a good draw or Coleman. Those guys did put up points in very opportune moments. So I don't know. I don't know if, we, if we've seen the best of Tampa Bay or these guys can turn the corner. They signed Nick Paul to a great team-friendly deal in my eyes. He gets $7 million for seven, seven years for $21 million or something just north of that. He's making three point one five a year. That's a great deal for Tampa Bay. In my eyes, I, I see Nick Paul as a defensive specialist. He kills penalties. He, he can you know play on the second line if you need him, but he's really comfortable in that third-line center role. He's a big body. I think that's a deal. But does that mean Tampa Bay is going to be a Stanley Cup contender every single year? I don't think so. You're losing one of your top two defensemen. Yes, you get Braden Point back, but it's it's going to be tricky, Tim, for Tampa Bay. I just it's it's tough to be consistent year after year after year. And the guys they brought in, they're good. Hagel's good. Colton's good. I don't think they have the same offensive upside. Maybe they, maybe they grow. Maybe they get more confident. They're still young kids. Hagel's only 23. Colton's 25. And maybe Nick Paul gets a little more responsibility next year. He can grow in his offensive game because he gets tons of chances. When you see Nick Paul on the ice, the guy gets four to five grade A chances a game just because he's long. He pokes pucks away. He's always seems to get a breakaway every period, whether it's a partial or just a clear cut. And you just can't bury. So I don't know. Is Tampa Bay, I know a long-winded answer there, but where do you see Tampa Bay going forward now that they've traded McDonough? Well, I think Palat is still their, their main priority, obviously. And they've got a couple of pieces they probably could move if they want to prioritize Palat over him. Like Cologne, for example, who has got one more year of 4.4. I don't know how valuable he is as a trade asset. I don't think he gets you much that other teams are really looking for. The other interesting one is Anthony Sorelli, 4.8, one more <laughs> year. He's only 24 years old. If you're Breezeball, and the only way that you can sign Palat is to trade Sorelli, would you do it? Or is Sorelli your guy in that scenario? I'm trading Sorelli. If it's Sorelli or Palat, I'm, I'm 
jettisoning Sorelli as quick as I can. Palat brings so much more to a team than Anthony Sorelli. I know Sorelli is good. You know, you he, he you're, do- you're Selkie winners, Anthony Sorelli. Yeah, I think he's great, but I think it's harder to find a guy who can consistently score in the NHL than it is harder to find a guy who is really good defensively. I think you can plug a lot of guys in Anthony Sorelli's position and say, hey, don't worry about scoring. Just play defense. Focus all of your attention on the defensive end and you'll be successful. A lot of guys don't have that mentality where they can humble themselves enough to just say, I'm going to play defense. I am not going to worry about the offensive side because scoring goals is sexy. Scoring goals is, you know, fun. You get the accolades, you get more money in the off season. Very few guys can do what Anthony Sorelli has done and just say, I'm going to lock in. I'm going to shut down every single guy who's, who's put a, put across from me. And I'm not going to worry about the offensive side. So I don't know. He he's getting rewarded for it. Good for him, but it doesn't usually work out that way because the league values offense so much. So, but yeah, I'm taking Palat over Sorelli any day of the week. And I would sell Sorelli right now. He's at a high. This is as high as Anthony Sorelli will be in my mind. He's 24. He's coming off two Stanley Cups. He was lauded this Stanley Cups because he he sh- went head to head with Austin Matthews, went head to head with Panarin, went head to head with all these guys, went head to head with uh, McKinnon and was successful. So I'm shipping him and shopping him all over the league and see if I can get a take for him. Give me a first rounder, unload his salary, and just sign Pilot, bring in another guy, and maybe elevated Brandon Hagel to his role. I think Hagel could do that role perfectly fine. So I don't know. You know, Breezebaugh does seem to make things work, and a little nugget came out of the Ryan McDutta trade. It's very strange when you guy get a guy who's he's only 33 Mac, but he seems like he's been around for 15, 20 years. He's a 33 year old defenseman, won a couple Stanley cups, done a lot for your organization. And everything coming out of that trade was, Oh, Breezeball, Breezeball had him into his office and they had a good conversation and he, he agreed to a trade. Well, it didn't go down exactly like that. And, and I got a, a little birdie told me Nick Kiprios friend of the show. He got some interesting information. He said, Breezeball and Mac had a conversation and it went down like this. It was, it was not a nice conversation. It was almost an ultimatum saying, you will be moved one way or another. You have a no trade clause. You do not have a no move clause. So you will be gone one way or the other after this conversation. You either accept a trade in Nashville, and Mac doesn't want to go to Nashville, doesn't want to go to Nashville at all. He's, he's comfortable in Tampa Bay. He has his family there, his kids like it in, in Tampa Bay. He's built a nice rapport there. Breezeboss said, you will go to Nashville or we will put you on waivers and we have an agreement ready with Columbus and they'll pick you up and you can go and play in Columbus. So Mac either had to say, okay, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go? Nashville or Columbus. He gave him a couple, I don't know if it was a day or so, so day or two to weigh the pros and cons of each uh, destination. And he came back and said, let's go to Nashville. So he was traded to Nashville. Bingo, bango, bongo. There goes Ryan McDonough. That's the shady part of hockey that no one talks about. Everybody, they, they paint it with this rosy picture. He had a conversation with Julian Breezeball. Everything's great. It went well. And he he, he accepted the, the trade and he understood Breezeball's position. No. Breezeball is a slick negotiator. He's very smooth in front of the camera. But at the end of the day, he's a GM. His job is to put the best team on the ice. And he has too many guys making too much money and he had to make a move. And Ryan McDonough was the guy who just the ax dropped on his neck. 
and Breezebois was going to get rid of him one way or another. He had an agreement in place with Columbus and that's all. And that's all she said. And that's the, the reason the salary cap is in place, but that's this, these are the, the things that happen when there is a salary cap. So someone has to be the fall guy. It's Ryan McDonough. He's on his way to Nashville, but it's shady. It is shady. Like his, his future was already gone. His future was already in place before that conversation, but I guess good on Breezebot for giving him an option. You can go to Nashville. You can go to Columbus. Most GMs would have been just say, Hey, we're going to wave you. You're going to Columbus, but they did get something back for him. And Ryan McDonough's out the door and Tampa Bay all of a sudden has some life. They have some flexibility in their cap process. Did you know about that, Tim? It's kind of shady. Don't you think? It is it, like, it makes me wonder how often conversations like that happen. And I feel like McDonough would be not really the type of player that you'd want a strong arm as a GM. Cause he's so like, like you said, underrated, appreciated, respected, doesn't make a lot of noise. Like he's a guy that you, I don't know, you you would treat with more respect than that. So I don't know if there's more to that story or maybe that sort of thing is super common. This is just one example where we're actually hearing about it, but I guess we'll never know. I think this will be more, this, this will happen more. And yeah, Mac will never answer questions about this at all. Like he, he's so, I'm going to try to get him on the show and I'll try to drag it out of him. I doubt he'll mention it at all, but this, this will happen more often because of the salary cap. This is a casualty of having a salary cap and teams spending up to the limit, putting guys on the LCIR, having to get under the cap for the following year. This will be the norm where GMs make backdoor deals with other GMs saying, Hey, I'm going to put this guy on waivers. Can you please pick him up? I'll get you back around the way, or we can make something work. It's the, it, it will be the new normal because of the way the salary cap system is, is uh, put together. All right, Tim, what else are we talking about today? Well, McDonough kind of got me looking into more possible trade targets. So a couple other ones I wanted to hear the touch base on. One big name that I'm keeping an eye on this offseason, he might be tied to my my bold prediction, uh, John Gibson. So he's such a, it's such an interesting place because the Ducks are, you know, they took some b- big steps this year, the last two years, adding these guys like uh, Trevor Zegras and, and uh, Milano. Sonny Milano. And, yeah, they yeah, got a good Drysdale. Um, but they're still rebuilding. So then they're, they're several years off from contending, being serious contenders, probably another, another probably two years from even making the playoffs. So um, it puts them in an, interest, in an interesting spot with John Gibson because he can get the massive return. Not only is he ex, you know, he's really, really good. He's only 28 years old and he's under contract for four more years with a really good deal. So this is the, exactly the kind of, you know, he can turn a, a middling team into an instant contender. And uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be making that call. So that's one that he, he could probably get moved this offseason. I think if I'm the Ducks, I would definitely explore that. Well, gosh, yeah. This is a, a crucial point in their organization where they, ha- they took a lot of step forwards last year. They, they turned a lot of heads. They almost pushed into the playoffs. They were in first place in the Pacific for a long time. Like they, they were right there up until the end when they really did take a downturn. And I think the young guys, the bubble popped and everything just kind of crumbled. But I think the organization, the GM there, Pat Verbeek, he really got a good handle on what their team is. Now he has a big decision. Anaheim has no guys signed for longer than two years. Everybody is off the books in 23-24. So he needs to figure out where this organization is going. Excuse me, Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler is signed longer than that and John Gibson. No forwards are signed longer than two years. So he needs to figure out, are we still rebuilding? 
Are we going to rebuild around the Zegrises of the world, the Max Comtois, the, the Mason McTavishes, these guys, the Drysdales, and we're going to wait till they mature? Or are we bringing in guys to put around them and make a push right now? That's the big decision that, that Verbeek has to make. And it, it's all going to hinge on what he does with John Gibson in the next month. Does he move Gibson and just push off the push for the playoffs and this team for four years, because that's what will happen. Or is he going to keep John Gibson? He has a lot of money to spend. All these guys are still on their, on their entry level terms. Trevor Zegras only makes nine twenty five next year. He will get a bigger deal after that. But if you want to make a push, this is a year you have $40 million to spend right now, 40. There are big names on the market. Josh Manson already said after winning the Stanley Cup, he wants to go back to Anaheim. So they are a destination. People want to play in Anaheim. They have some good pieces there. Do you make a push now? Or you just push this rebuild out three, four years? All of that hinges on what they do with John Gibson. John Gibson is a very good goaltender. He, he, will, he will get you a lot in the trade market, especially right now. There's a lot of teams who need goaltending. There's a lot up north that need goaltending. The Edmonton Oilers, the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's teams around the league who need goaltending. What I don't know. I think they hold on to John Gibson. I don't think John Gibson gets traded to Edmonton like everybody's talking about. I think he. Nobody wants to play in Edmonton. <laughs> nobody does. I think Mark Andre Fleury goes to Toronto, but I, I think if I'm Pat Verbeek, I'm going for it. I have two first rounders this year. I may package them get a higher pick. They get the Bruins first rounder because of the Hampus Lindholm trade. I think they're in a good position to make some noise, sign some good free agents and really make a push this year. The Pacific is still weak. No one knows how Vegas is going to turn out next year. Colorado's still the, you know, the team in the West, obviously, but other than that, Edmonton's going to fall back. I, I don't see Calgary being as strong next year. San Jose, who knows where they are. LA is still a big question mark. The opportunity is there for Anaheim to make a push. You have these good young players. You have all this money to spend. You have a very elite goaltender. You have a good defense with the Jamie Drysdale. Cam Fowler is still pretty good. Go for it. Make a push. Sign some guys. I think that's the direction he should go, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure that out, Tim, because it all hinges on John Gibson in the next week, couple of weeks, basically, before the draft, before free agency starts. Yeah, but even if they keep Gibson and they're able to bring in like two of the, the big marquee names that are potentially available this offseason, like if Latang goes on the market and then they go, they sign like a Giroux or trade for Debrinket or one of those Forsberg, even if they add a couple of those guys, they're still not really contenders yet. So what, what would be the point of, of doing that? Like they're. They're still several years away, even with those additions. I think. I agree. I don't. I don't think they win the Stanley Cup by any means, but it does push forward their rebuild really quick. They go from being a rebuilding team to being a contending team. So you add a couple guys. You still have money under your cap, and you see where you're at. And then the next year, you add maybe a couple more guys. Maybe these first round draft picks blossom into really good players. And all of a sudden, Colorado's getting a little older. It's 2024, 25, and you're hitting your stride. You got Trevor Zegras. He's going to be 24 around that time. You got Troy Terry. He'll be 27. These guys are just ready to start winning. So you have to build somewhere. You have to figure out, okay, I'm not going to win it this year. I understand that. But when you look at teams who are winning, Colorado, they had some growing pains. But Colorado had to decide, all right, this is our, this is our team. We're going to ride these guys whether they win us the Stanley Cup or not. So we're going with McKinnon. We're going with Landis Scott. We're going with Ranton. And we're going with all these guys. 
and we're going to put players around them. If Colorado would have continued just to push the build off years and years and years because they weren't going to win it that next year, they would have never been successful. So Pat Verbeek has to figure out when that time is. When do we start bringing in these guys to help these young players, to, to grow these young players, to build a championship team? Is that now? Is that with John Gibson? Or is that with a different goalie? Because John Gibson's 28. If, if they're thinking that they're going to start the rebuild and really start pushing for it in three years, when he's 31, you can't do it. It has to be now. You have to put guys around him right now and just make this thing go. But I don't know. I'm not the GM. Pat Verbeek, he's been very shrewd with his deals. He, he He's not one to throw money around. He's basically walked away from a lot of Hampus Lindholm. He's like, oh, you're gone. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to negotiate with you. I think you're a good defenseman, but say la vie. See you later. Here you go, Boston Bruins. Like He wasn't willing to pay for a Hampus Lindholm who's a really good defenseman. So I don't know. Is he a type of GM who's just going to go out there and spend all the money in the piggy bank? There's a lot of GMs who do that. I don't know if Pat Verbeek's one of those guys. I don't know what the owner, what kind of limitations he had on him. But right now, he has $40 million to spend. $40 million bucks. That's a very valuable asset to have. There's not a lot of teams who have that much space to throw that kind of money around. So we'll see. Yes, he has to sign the future Hall of Famer Isaac Lundstrom. I get that. But... I don't know. There's a lot of money to be had and he's got a lot of options in front of him, but it will all hinge. It all hinges in my eyes on what they do with John Gibson here in the next couple of weeks to a month. If they chip him, then they're just going to be rebuilding for another two or three years. If they keep him, then you got to go out and you got to get some players to put around these players to make them make it, make a push, make the playoffs, losing the first round next year, losing the second round, keep building this team to the ultimate goal of winning a Stanley cup. I don't know. Does that make sense to you? It does. What do you think they're most likely to do? Pat Verbeek seems like a very conservative guy. I think he trades trades John Gibson. I think some team swoops in and just makes him an offer and he takes it. That That's what I think will happen. I don't think he has that mentality of like, all right, we're going for it. We're going to sign a guy to 10 million bucks. We're going to offer sheet somebody. We're going to go out there and shake it up a little bit just based on what he's done. Since he's been the GM of Anaheim, he hasn't made that really franchise-altering move other than trading away some high-end chips, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's very exciting. All right, moving on. Speaking of the Edmonton Oilers, we touched on them, John Gibson. Not all in all saying he doesn't want to go to Edmonton, but all signs point to him not wanting to go to Edmonton. Other goaltending news, Mike Smith, we didn't touch on this last week. I don't think it was out just yet, but he's done. Mike Smith, starting goaltender in the playoffs, got him to the Western Conference Finals, played pretty well. You know, all things considered for his age, for his talent level, for the amount of shots that he has gets thrown at him every single game. He played well in the playoffs for the Edmonton Oilers. He wasn't the reason why they lost. He's done. He's going on LTIR. I don't know exactly what the injuries are, but Ken Holland said, based on what we see, there's no way he's going to play this season. So his his salary shifts to the LTIR. It gives the the Edmonton Oilers a couple more million dollars to spend. But what it does, they have no goaltenders. Who is their starting goaltender? They they don't have anybody signed for next year. The one goalie under contract is Mike Smith. Now he's on LTIR. You have no other goaltenders, Tim. What's going to happen at Edmonton? They have zero goaltenders on their roster right now with an NHL deal. Which could be a blessing for them because last year and the year prior and the year before that 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 and the year before that, 
they've had bad goaltenders. Is this a blessing in disguise? I love Mike Smith. Friends with him. Is this a blessing in disguise for the Edmonton Oilers getting Mike Smith off of the roster, losing his $2.2 million salary? The guy's 40, 41 years old. Is this a good thing going forward for the Edmonton Oilers where they have a clean slate? You can go out. There are some good goaltenders on the market. They can go shopping and kind of pick whichever goaltender they want. They've been linked to the backup in New York right now, Alex Gorgiev. He's obviously fallen out of favor. Shesterkin is a the guy there. He will always be the guy there. He's the new Henrik Lundqvist. Alex Gorgiev does not want to be a Marty Biron, friend of the show. No slight to Marty Biron. He doesn't want to be a backup. He wants a chance to be a starter. He feels like he has that ability, much like every backup in the league does, except for Marty. Marty was resigned to being a backup, and he was okay with that. He had his time in Buffalo, and he was a great backup. He was slotted in for 20 games, and he played fantastic. And he had that mentality of, okay, I know Hank is number one. I'm number two. I get that. A lot of backup goaltenders, their ego gets in the way, and they just don't make it work. Gorgiev wants to be a starter. Edmonton likes Gorgiev. There will be a deal done there, I think, in the next couple of days. Is he the answer at Edmonton, Tim, or do they have to look elsewhere and try to bring in another goaltender? I mean, is he the answer, meaning does he take him to the promised land? No, I don't think so. I mean, he could surprise you. He's been really good in the short stretches before, so I could see him like, you know, I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility that he flourishes in a new role when he's given the reins because we've seen goalies do that in the past. Um, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's probably, if he's a number one and if a legit number one NHL goal, he's in the bottom 10 in the league. He's probably better served as like a, you know, maybe a 10 and that, that sort of thing. So we'll see how that shakes out. I don't think that he's going to long-term uh, answer there, but you look at the free agent, there's not really any big goalies available. You got Fleury. He's already said he won't go to Edmonton. Darcy Kemper, but will he want to stay with Colorado? Then there's, the names get really thin. It's Thomas Grease. Uh, Georgiev, Samsonov, Martin Jones, Jack Campbell, potentially. Um, but he's going to have basically wherever he wants to go, and that's not going to be Edmonton either. So it's going to be either you bring up some hometown or you go and trade for somebody. And I don't know that the Edmonton really has the cap space or the pieces to make that move. So I still – they're probably still like, like they have been years away from finding their solution between the pipes. There's a couple of Russian goaltenders I want to keep an eye on. Varlamov with the Islanders. He's got one year left on his deal. He makes 5 million bucks. I think Ilya Sorokin has really played his way to be the starter with the Islanders. And Varlamov, that didn't really work out. He played well for a a good stretch there, but I don't see him being the future. He's 34. He might be a guy I would take a flyer on if I'm the Edmonton Oilers. Just go out, kick the tires, maybe get the Islanders to eat some of that cap. But I like... Varlamov, I don't know why he fell, fell out of favor with the uh, Islanders so fast, but why not go for him? And then another guy, I know it's a long shot. What about a Bobrovsky from Florida? I think Spencer Knight is earmarked for the starter in Florida, a friend of the show, obviously. I, I'm, I have a little crush on Spencer Knight, but kick the tires on a Bobrovsky. I know he makes $10 million. I know he signed for another, what, four more years, and that's a tough salary to fit under the cap there, but he's still a good goaltender. He's only 33 that guy can be a game changer. If you can make it work, those two guys, I think, could be good goaltender for a team if those teams eat some of their cap, which they would. I know Florida would eat some of that cap because they would be happy to get out from under Bobrovsky. But, you know, if they eat five, eat, eat half of that cap, Florida, and we'll take the other half and we'll, we'll try to make this work because I think Spencer Knight, like I said, is the future for the Panthers. I think Bobrovsky was good this year, but... Spencer Knight is just as good, if not better. So there are goaltenders out there, maybe in a trade market, but 
yeah, there's there's nobody really who's like John Gibson would be the peak. Then it's flurry. And then after that, it's there's just question marks. There's unknowns. There's people who aren't really like a Jack Campbell of the world. Jack Campbell's great, but is he really, really good, Tim? Is he going to really move the needle that much for a team? Is he that much different than a Mike Smith for the Edmonton Oilers where it's like, oh, we got Jack Campbell, start playing the parade. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What about your boy Staylock? Wasn't he going to make a comeback to the league? Al, I don't know what's going on with Al. I know he's got health issues, but he's not getting any younger, and I don't think his uh, best days are in front of him. So, you know, it's just father time never loses. He's old. He's old. He went through some injuries. Then when you're a GM, it's like, do I want to give the net to a 34-year-old guy who's got an injury history, who's a good goaltender, or do I want to give it to a 22-year-old kid who I can, you know, grow a little bit? maybe has some growing pains, but the future is more promising with that guy than it is with Al Stalock, who I know what I'm getting. He's a good goaltender. Al's a great backup. He'll plug him in for 20, 25 games. He'll play out of this world. If the starter gets injured, he can hold the crease, but he's not your franchise guy anymore. You know, it's just, and Al will be the same. He's a friend of the show. He'll, He'll be the first to admit that. All right. The biggest trade piece on the market right now is Alex Dabrinkit. Speaking of Al, Alex Dabrinkit from Chicago, Things are heating up there, Tim. What's so funny? Nothing. Just forcing a little transition there. I like that. That wasn't forced. That was beautiful. Okay. The Florida or the uh, Philadelphia Flyers want Alex to bring it bad. They want him in a bad way. They've already kicked the tires. Rumors out of Chicago. I got some feelers there. They've already offered Chicago something for Alex to bring it. They've offered him a high draft pick. They've offered him a big prospect. Chicago is waiting for more offers to come in before <clears throat> they, they choose. Is Alex Dabrinkit's time in Chicago dumb, Tim? Or is he already gone? Is this a formality that Chicago is going to deal this guy? Yeah, I mean, he's been on Frank Saravalli's board, and uh, he, he reported weeks ago that it was a matter of, of when, not if. So I think Dabrinkit <laughs> has played his last game in a Blackhawks sweater. Uh, the Flyers seem to be the front runners right now, at least in terms of like, I think, like they said, they've, they've made an offer. They've been linked to him. I think most teams in the, around the league will at least be kicking the tires on him, just giving his age and scoring potential. He's under contract for one more year, so he's fairly affordable. I could see him, man. Like, I, 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 there are so many teams that need that scoring winger, but they can't afford him for cap reasons. So I, 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 I can't predict where he'll end up, but he definitely does get moved. I tell you what. <clears throat> Chicago could be the worst team in the league next year. And that's something to say when you have a Patrick Kane. If you move Alex to and I love Chicago. I love my time there. I, I, I still have a lot of friends there. I'm, I'm very friendly with a lot of people there. They could be the worst team in the NHL next year. Looking at their roster, looking at their prospects, looking at their projections. It's not looking good for the Blackhawks. Alex Dabrinkit is a very good player. He's 24 years old. The guy scores, especially when you pair him with Patty Kane. They're a very good duo, but boy, Tim, it's how the mighty have fallen. They've gone from Stanley cup winners to just, I guess it's, you know, the nature of the beast, but they're going to be bad next year. They will be a bad hockey team next year. So crazy. Because they went and traded for Seth Jones and then gave him like number one NHL defenseman money, nine and a half for what, seven years, eight years, something like that. When you're playing a franchise defenseman at the beginning of that contract, you're not supposed to be the worst team in the league. You're supposed to be at the top. 
and every it's just yeah it's sad it's sad for for them and it's sure that's not what he expected when he signed there either well we were all very excited they went out to get seth jones they went they get mark andre flurry we we're like they won the off season everybody watched chicago they got kirby doc they got kane they got taves they got Debrinka, tyler johnson they have a lot of good kubalik they have a lot of good young players dylan strom still there and it just didn't work they jettisoned mark andre flurry Johnny Taves isn't the same guy he was 10 years ago when he was Captain Sirius, winning Stanley Cups, just like a fantastic, fantastic player. Patrick Kane's been the same Patrick Kane throughout his whole career. The guy's, the guy's a stud. But it's just, they are going to be bad. Yes, with a, with a defenseman who makes 9.5, two forwards who make 10.5, you shouldn't be the worst team in the league, but you will be. This will be a very tough year for Chicago, depending on what they get back from Philadelphia. I don't think anything is going to make this team good next year. They were they were competitive last year with Alex Dabrinkit. It's not looking good. They, too, have no goalies signed for next year, by the way. They have nobody under contract. So it's going to be very interesting, the goaltending market. What happens with Alex Dabrinkit? I think he goes to Philly. Philly. That's a foregone conf- conclusion. Let's, let's touch on a couple of more like, possible trade targets. Capo Caco, healthy scratch in the playoffs, Tim. I thought he played great. The kid line was fantastic. Him, Cheadle, and Lafreniere, they were great. Why would the Rangers want to walk away from him? Do you have any expectation of where he lands, another team taking a flyer on him? Because the kid's good. He was a second overall pick. He's got some talent. He's big. He's shown that he's good in his defensive zone. He's very responsible forward. Why would the Rangers walk away from a guy like this? I don't understand just because their coach doesn't like him. He's, he's not a Gerard Gallant type player, whatever that means. It's a mistake for the Rangers to walk away from this guy, but what what, what do you what do you see happen with Capo Caco? I think he does stay in New York. It's an interesting thing to keep an eye on because he's only twenty one years old. He's an RFA. He doesn't have a contract in hand, and he I don't think he really fell out of favor or like he's not a gallant guy. But I think probably to some degree um, there was some frustration there with maybe you know like him being health bombed later in the playoffs after playing pretty well and for a stretch they were their best line. There had to have been something there with the way that he wasn't getting back on the on the back check or or blocking shots or something. Um, hopefully, it was just a message not indicated of something larger. I think he does stay in New York, but if he doesn't, and they're, if they're hearing offers on him, I think I think he could benefit from a you know a new spot. Um, I think a lot of teams would be making that call again. Just twenty one years old still. I'm telling you right now, if I'm a team and, I, and I'm looking for scoring and I'm looking for just just someone to throw a flyer on, I'm throwing an offer sheet at Capococco. I think the kid's good. I think the Rangers undervalue him. I think they've mismanaged his development, much like they have with Alex Afrenier. If I'm a GM and I have a lot of money, if I'm even the Arizona Coyotes, if I'm the Seattle Kraken, if I'm these teams with some salary cap to spare, some draft picks to spare, the Rangers are not in good salary cap shape. Yes, they have $10 million to spend. They have a lot of unsigned players. They only have, what is it, seven forwards under contract next year. They need to sign some guys. I'm throwing an offer sheet at Capococco, giving him $4 million a year for five, six, seven years. Let's see if the Rangers want to match that. Maybe $5 million a year. The guy's a good player. I think we will see some offer sheets thrown out there this season because there are so many teams with a lot of money as opposed to last year where there wasn't that many teams. A lot of teams have kind of positioned themselves for this free agency period, for this salary cap, for this, this off season. So I hope 
that they offer sheet a Capococco. I hope these guys get some, like a Matthew Kachuk. I hope these guys gets offer sheets thrown at him because I, I like myself a Kako. I think he does have a big upside. Who would you take? Lafreniere or Kako? Which one of those two guys do you think you would want on your team? Lafreniere. I've yeah. just seen, I've seen more from him. Um, he's produced a little bit more. I know he's, is, was he, is he older or younger? They were drafted back to back. He's a year younger. Kako was drafted before. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I would take Lafreniere. Yeah, I, it's a toss-up for me. I, I agree. Lafreniere has a bigger offensive upside. The guy, he, he's a good player. But Kako, he's so good defensively. He's a very well-rounded player. All right, moving on. Vancouver Canucks just signed Brock Besser to a three-year deal. Somewhat surprising. Maybe not surprising. He was a restricted free agent. No one knew what Vancouver was going to – Vancouver, they're so strange. They They want to – change their team makeup they want to you know we're going to move past this and they just keep resigning the same guys every single year so they they, they they are changing the makeup of their team they just have different slogans they throw out so a guy who was their best player last year a guy who many expected to be traded at the deadline but they wanted to hold on to him because they were making a big push we're going to build around him jt miller <clears throat> what what is happening with jt miller he has one more year left on his deal now you are a vancouver insider tim i know that our listeners know that. What's happening with JT Miller, another friend of the show? We have so many friends of this show. It's insane. Maybe too many friends. What's going on with JT Miller, Tim? Well, he's coming off, come off a career year, uh, career highs and goals and points, and he does absolutely everything. He can play the center. He can play the wing. He can play offense, defense. You, you know, you can put him on the penalty kill. You can put him on the power play. He's just kind of like a everyday utility man. I don't know that he's a hundred plus player, hundred point plus player every year. I don't think this is like the new measuring stick for which JT Miller should be kind of measured again, but I do think he's super undervalued, super underrated. And, and this year the, the whole league kind of saw what he's capable of. So I, I think he, I can't imagine letting a guy like that go. You know, it's not just like he fights too. And he's a leader in the, on the, in the locker room, on the bench and all that. I can't imagine that's not the guy that you let go. And he's so like, you know, we we had him on the show. So like smart and well spoken and thoughtful, and not really like a. He's the kind of guy that GMs and coaches usually salivate over. So I don't know why this is. He's even linked to anything, um, but he is. And a lot of teams are making offers, and he doesn't have a contract yet. So he could end up somewhere, and he'll they'll get they'll get a lot for him. I think even as a. Do they have any rights to him or no? Is he a UFA? No, he, he still has one year left, and he's a UFA. I'll tell okay. you why he's, he's yeah. on the market right now. It's because Vancouver's been a train wreck the last two seasons. They, they have to change something. They have a lot of guys locked up. They have Connor Garland they brought in. He's signed for another four more years. You got Pedersen for two. They got Besser for three now. Their defense is just heavy with contracts. With Ken Hughes, Oliver Ekman, Larson, Tim, is still getting seven and a half almost oh, for four more years. Tyler Myers, they have a lot of money locked up with a lot of players. Thatcher Demko makes five a year. They need to change something. <clears throat> something needs to switch there. I don't see JT Miller being the problem in Vancouver, but when you look at their roster, the people that you can get assets for, <clears throat> the people that you can move to change your team, <clears throat> you, no one's going to take an Oliver Ekman Larson. He makes too much money. His best years are behind him. JT Miller is the guy that you can move right now. A team has control of him this year, and he only makes $5.25 million, and he is a potential MVP candidate, a guy who can change your team. He can play the center. He can play the wing. He does everything. He's so good, Tim. If you can move that guy, Vancouver needs to do it. 
They need to make something happen. They don't have anything going for them. If you go into this season and you're the Vancouver Canucks, you're crazy. You're basically icing the same team that you iced last year and the year before that. And you're expecting, what's the definition of crazy? I I talk about it quite a bit. Same thing, expecting a different outcome. They brought in nobody new this year. They have no salary cap space. They have $2 million. You're not going to bring in somebody who's an impact player for $2 million. For JT Miller's sake, for the Vancouver Canucks sake, you need to move JT Miller, get a first rounder, get a prospect, get some salary cap relief, go out, try, try to improve your team. I said it two years ago. I said it last year. The Vancouver Canucks made a mistake when they bowed to Elias Pettersson, signed him to that deal. The guy's junk. I don't think he's a good hockey player. I don't think he's going to win you anything. If you're building your team around a Pettersson, you are going absolutely nowhere. Yes, he's got talent. Talent doesn't win you Stanley Cups. You love Pedersen. <clears throat> I know you do. I, I, I don't think Vancouver wins anything with this guy. I think JT Miller would be good to move on. Connor Garland is a good player. Is he $5 million player? I don't know. There are a lot of problems with the Vancouver. They can alleviate some of that by getting rid of JT Miller. That's all. I, I don't know. Move Bo Horvat then. Move them both. Get JT Miller and Bo Horvat off the team. Try, try to remake this team. But, man, there's a lot of problems on this team. And it's it's not, gosh, they're gonna be bad next year too. That's the thing. They will be okay. <sighs> the fact that they didn't make the playoffs this year in that terrible Pacific Division is a travesty. It's honestly a travesty that they didn't sneak into the playoffs and a team like the LA Kings did. It just is mind-boggling how good their roster is, how how good they should be. It's and Thatcher Demko played good. All right. Any anything else on Vancouver, Tim? <clears throat> No, they're just the team. If there's one team in the league that I'm like, I, I want them to be better than what they're doing, it's probably Vancouver. Because I think that group would be so good for hockey to, to see like Pedersen and Hughes and those guys doing what they're capable of and, and winning some playoff games. So it's just, it's frustrating to watch. It's hard to imagine a scenario where you trade away some of your best players and you get better, but they really, I think, mismanaged this group the last couple of years, like you said. Yep. Yep, they have. Pedersen should have never made him, you know, the star of the franchise. All right, big baby Jake DeBrusque has changed his mind again. So big baby went into last season saying, oh, big baby wants more ice time. I want more playing time. Wah, wah, wah. Trade me, trade me, trade me. <clears throat> didn't trade him. Big baby didn't get what he wants. Um, they played him on the first line. Big baby got his sucker that he wanted. He put some points up. They signed him to a new two-year, $4 million deal. All of a sudden, he's getting his praise or patting him on the back. Big Baby wants to stay in Boston again. So is that good, Tim? Is that a good synopsis of what happened with Jake DeBrusque? Or do you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, that was that was a pretty good summary. I mean, it's, it's, it's a l- little bit surprising, the timing of it, only because he requested a trade. And then, um, like you said, the, the trade deadline passed. They kept him, didn't get the offer they wanted. They bumped him up to the first line when they balanced out the top two lines and broke up that perfection line. And he played really well. Um, he's burying some chances, creating a lot of opportunity with Bergeron and Marchand. And so it kind of made sense that, okay, when you, when that, when that new contract came through, it felt like a, one of those sign and trade things. And then he, you know, a week or two after Cassidy's let go, he's like, Oh, you know what? I want to stay here. That's kind of the thing that Boston fans are looking at at the timing of all this and the, the order here, because there was plenty of speculation that Cassidy and DeBrus didn't get along and DeBrus didn't like, the way that um, the way that um, 
he was getting the healthy scratched and pushing down the lineup, wasn't getting the power play opportunities that he wanted. So I, that's the kind of thing that I think I'm, I'm looking at. And, you know, we didn't really ever get into the, the rumors surrounding the Cassidy firing and some of the stuff that he might not have gotten along with certain players and all that. Um, but I think as far as the, the future of the Bruins, I think this probably is a good deal because when he's healthy and you know, he's scoring and when he's motivated, he's a pretty good player. He's got a pretty good contract. So I, I hope he, you know, stays and I hope he lives up to it. Bruins will be in the group of those teams that'll be worse next year than they were this year. They don't have a first round pick this year. The the question marks surrounding David Pasternak, Brad Marchand's going to be injured for a good portion of the year. They will be worse this year than they were last year. Can you agree on that? Uh yes. Okay. Well, I mean, what's worse? They were out in the first round. They'll do that again. They'll make the playoffs. You think so? Without Patrice Bergeron, without Brad he's Marchand, sign. what's up? He's he's going to sign. Uh, he hasn't sure. signed yet. Without Brad Marchand for the good portion of the year, Pasternak not happy in Boston. I don't know, man. I don't know. Boston might want to rethink things. Well, they did get a new coach, Tim, though. They did get a new coach. Yes. I know you want. I know you want to dig in on it, but we got to move forward. We've been talking a long time. You and your your stuff about meats really put us over your shakes. Jim Montgomery hired by the Bruins, former coach of the Dallas Stars. Good hiring, bad hiring inconsequential you're a Bruins insider give us the know-how uh good hiring I mean again I didn't want to get rid of Cassidy I don't that still doesn't make a ton of sense to me but if that role is available then I think Jim Montgomery's a pretty good hiring he was the coach for the uh the, the stars did pretty well there um and then he was let go for I forget the exact term they used but it was basically the, the coach version of unsportsmanlike conduct. There was some behavior that he was doing that was felt inappropriate or whatever. So the organization let him go and it never came out what that was. They did say it had nothing to do with any form of abuse or it's like substance abuse or um, anything related to the players misconduct or anything like that. So some decision he made, something he said, I, we just don't know. And it could come out now that he's finally back in front of the media, but He's the last two years, he's been the power play coach um, for St. Louis, and they've had the best power play in the league except for Edmonton Oilers. So he's done pretty well. And the players, I've read a lot of reviews of players who played for him that seem to like him. He's a player's coach. He's a straight shooter. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that hire. I especially like the hire. I didn't want them to bring in like David Quinn, for example, was another example. I That is so boring and, and directionless for me. So hopefully Montgomery, you know, fits in well. Agreed. I think it's a good hire. I don't think it moves a little too much, but good for Boston. Don Sweeney resigns. That's great. I think it was either Sweeney or Cassidy. Uh-huh. Something must have happened there. There must have been some kind of internal thing that Cassidy wasn't happy with how the team was going, and he voiced his opinion, and they just gassed him because, like you, there, something doesn't smell right with the management situation in Boston. So Sweeney resigns. Cam Neely's happy. Everybody's happy in the upper management with Boston. They bring in Jim Montgomery, who's probably buddies with one of them. The coaching carousel continues to spin. Rick Bonus, recently fired by the Dallas Stars, ties on with the Winnipeg Jets now. Paul Maurice down Florida. Rick Bonus up in Winnipeg. Jim Montgomery over to Boston. It's just the same guys. They just, every two or three years, they play spin the tail on the donkey. Where are we going? Pick, stick a pin in the map, and that's where you go and coach. So he's gone. A couple teams do not have coaches. Detroit Red Wings, still without a coach. They, they fired uh, Blashill right after the season. They have gone radio silent 
I think they were in on Barry Trotz. I think they really pushed for Barry Trotz. Barry Trotz recently just pulled his name out of the running, said he wants to focus on his family. I wouldn't be surprised if you find him on TV this year, being an analyst for some of those, one of those networks. But yeah, he's off the list for everybody. Red Wings don't have a coach. And you know what? This is not a surprise to me. The San Jose Sharks just bungle everything lately. They decided to fire their coach four days ago. They have all off-season. They could have done it right after the season. They wait until most of the coaches are off the market. They fire Bob Budner. He's been their coach for the last three, four seasons. Not been a bad coach from all things that I've heard. The players don't mind him, but he's had three losing seasons in San Jose. Rightfully so. They've had bad teams. They gas him, and now they're the last bell at the ball. They have no one to dance with. There's no really good coach. Well, there are good coaches out there, but everybody's already been interviewed. Everybody's already got their first or second pick. Now you're left with everybody's leftovers. The San Jose Sharks, once again, just, I don't know how you fire your coach three months after the season when you have all this time to vet him, to think about your future. Where are we going next year? And then three months after the season, all of a sudden you go, you know, let's fire this guy. I don't think it's going to work out. That's just mismanagement. That's a, that's bad. I don't understand how that happens. You know, you know, you should be firing your coach right when the season ends, if not a month before the season ends. If you have a struggling team, the players aren't responding to them. If you're the GM, if you're the president, if you're the owner, you know, going into the off season, if you're going to fire your coach, something doesn't just come up three months after the season where you're like, Oh yeah. Oh, we forgot to fire this guy. Oh gosh. Okay. Go fire Bob Budner right now. It's, something stinks in San Jose. Something happened there. All right. Blackhawks get a new coach, Luke Richardson, the assistant coach for the Montreal Canadians. Players love playing for this guy. Obviously had a long, long career defenseman, hard nosed guy worked his tail off to make the NHL worked his tail off to stay there. New Blackhawks coach. I like this hire. I think the players are going to love him. I think this will fit well for where the franchise is. I think they're going to need some coach to go out there and push them, be a motivating coach, but also be, you know, understand where the players are at. I think this is a good hire from the Chicago Blackhawks. What do you think, Tim? I do too. Like he's played 1400 NHL games. He's, he's coached for a better part of a decade now. And I think he'll, uh, I think he'll do well in this position. Although again, like it's kind of like some of the other teams we talked about. What's his, what's his, measurement for success like what 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 does ownership want what's a good year for chicago this year we just talked about how they can be one of the worst teams in the league what what is he hoping for yeah kyle davidson is a relatively new gm uh the bar is not too high for chicago you know if they even are in contention for a playoff come the deadline i think that's a win for them i think everybody in the organization on the team knows that there are some lean years ahead they do not have a first-round draft pick this year. They, they have nothing to look forward to. They're going to be bad for the foreseeable future, although they do have two first-rounders next year, and they have two first-rounders the year following because of the Hagel trade. So they have some you know, potential coming up, but for the next two, three, four years, Chicago will be bad. Luke Richardson hopefully knew that coming in. I don't know what the terms of his deals, deal was, but hopefully they give this, time, this guy some time to grow with the team put his imprint on the team, get some good players underneath him. So she, he can show, you know, what kind of coach he is rather than bring him in to a bad team and then just gas them because they're losing because they will lose. So inevitably they're, they're not a good hockey team. All right, everybody. We already did DoorDash. We already did points better at the beginning of the show. So we don't have to regroup with that. I hope everybody had a good 4th of July, good Canada day weekend. I hope everybody is doing well, hydrated, and we will talk to you guys on Thursday.
Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.